Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallum. This is Speaking Out for the Blind's 100th episode. Today's guest is Larry Turnbull. He's ACB Radio's Managing Director. Larry gave me a special golden ticket four years ago. That golden ticket was the opportunity to do this show. Larry joins us to reflect back on this show's first milestone, and he'll explain his path to becoming ACB Radio's Managing Director. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. We gotta first learn more about you. The Florida Council of the Blind says that you were diagnosed with retinoblastoma. It's a form of eye cancer. How did the doctors treat your retinoblastoma in order for you to live a very long and happy life? The uh, tumor was, was diagnosed when I was two months old, and by that time it had already consumed my right eye, so the right eye was removed, and they started treating the left eye throughout the rest of my early childhood and eventually when I was about seven years old uh, the tumor had destroyed enough of the eye where that eye eventually was removed as well. Some patients can actually keep their sight and they realize if they were able to get those tumors to stop growing and stay in remission but unfortunately for me that was not the case. You had lots of radiation treatments, Larry. You had to be even in isolated periods for a long time. During that time, you loved to listen to the radio. Tell us more about how all of this led you just to fall in love with radio. Well, I listened to the radio quite a bit. That was about the only source of entertainment at the time. It was either the radio or the TV, and usually during the daytime, there wasn't a lot on TV that I was interested in, so the radio became my friend, and I got exposed to all kinds of music at an early age. My mom listened to the radio quite a bit as well. Let's go into the 90s, because by 1990, you graduated from the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind in St. Augustine. Your interest in radio continued. But you decided, I'm probably not going to pursue a career in the industry right now. Why did you decide to do this? At that point, radio was commercial radio was taking on a different face in the 90s. A lot of automation was coming in for different shows, and we had a lot of you know, local personalities were being cut out in favor of syndicated shows, and it just didn't really seem like it was going to be a real lucrative market. And another thing that I really enjoyed growing up, as far as hobbies go, I really like to fix things. I really like to work on machines and house renovations with my parents uh, growing up. My grandfather worked on air conditioning and refrigeration systems, and I helped him a lot with that, and even worked on a few cars, too. The biggest thing that was coming out in the 80s, of course, was the computers. They were really becoming widely available for home use and all kinds of commercial use. 
in the corporate industry. So I really decided to tackle uh, the computer system as we knew it at the time, the networks and the PCs while I was uh, in high school. And in the 90s, uh, I went to college at DeVry Institute of Technology and got my bachelor's science degree in computer information systems and started doing a lot of computer programming at that point. Speaking of computer programming, after you graduated from DeVry, you found computer programming work at Lake State's insurance company in Traverse City, Michigan. That's the world's tart cherry capital. Larry, tell us about your life and work in this special cherry capital and the insurance business. After I graduated from DeVry, I decided to go up to Michigan where a lot of my uh, family on my mom's side lived. Traverse City was a smaller town and it was uh, a very nice, friendly town. And I got a job offer up there to work at uh, Lake States Insurance, which at the time they sold homeowners insurance, auto insurance, property insurance, as well as liability insurance for commercial businesses. And I took on the role as one of their programmer analysts. And I did a lot of programming on a mainframe computer environment using programming languages like Natural, COBOL, uh, RPG, amongst a few others, along with uh, the JCL, which is the job control language that runs the programs on a mainframe environment. And that was uh, pretty exciting work. Uh, I worked on the systems that the accounting department used. So I was designing in-house packages for the billing department. And I was the team leader on developing their first electronic funds transfer system, which uh, worked out very well. After Lake State's insurance company went through this downsizing process, and after you were there for six years, you decided to go back to school. You enrolled in this very intense four-week course, and you got your prestigious Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer certification in January of 2003. What's the certification, and how did earning that certification help you expand your computer networking knowledge? When uh, Lake States was bought out by Harleysville, I decided I was going to try another go at a different uh, computer hobby or another piece of the information technology, so to speak. So I decided to get into networking and I went to this boot camp to get my MCSC in order to get into more designing and constructing of computer networks that a lot of corporate places have come to know today. It was fun working with servers as well as uh, laptops and PCs seeing how they all connect together and be able to transfer information back and forth. And it was another challenge. Uh, I was the first blind person to come out of that boot camp and uh, pass 
uh, and it was a very intense uh, course. We had to diagnose broken networks and diagnose uh, Windows problems and, and that sort of thing. It was uh, at the time it was Windows 2000 and Windows XP was just coming onto the scene at that time as well. Aon Hewitt. They're a human resource outsourcing firm. They help many of the big companies out there manage their dental, medical, 401k, and a whole bunch of other packages of benefits for employees. What did you do as a mainframe programmer for that company in June 2004? There, I designed custom reports for different clients. Uh, the clients, of course, were these big companies like uh, AutoNation, Johnson & Johnson, DTE Energy, uh, PNC Financial Bank, and many others. We would uh, design specific programs that would generate special reports for the companies. We would also help their employees enroll in their benefits my part was to make sure that the programs that handled the enrollments worked properly and made any changes that were required by the client. Also, make sure that the databases were updated when needed and made sure that the programs that updated those databases worked correctly. You finally came to ACB Radio in 2004. You met with your very close friend, Rachel. She shared your radio interest with you, and you two decided to broadcast together on the station. And you started a show called Anything Goes. What was Anything Goes all about? Well, that was our first show on ACB Radio Interactive, and we had all kinds of music, primarily the classic rock music, uh, album rock, and a lot of tracks that weren't really well known on the big charts in commercial radio. And we also liked having conversations with the listeners. And uh, Rachel and I, of course, we've known each other since the mid-80s. We went to the Florida School for the Blind together. We've known each other since the mid-80s. And we liked bantering back and forth on that show. And we had a lot of fun with it. And one of the interesting things... When we started with ACB Radio, we did a couple of cover shows in uh, June of 2004. And then we went to the ACB convention in Birmingham, Alabama in July of 2004 and got initiated into that. We actually saved the day, so to speak, when they were doing a live broadcast from the exhibit hall. And the computer they were using was one that just wasn't in the best of shape. And they kept having to reboot it every few minutes. And they just weren't on the air very much. So we brought our laptops in and actually got us on the air and got us really going and having fun with all the coverage from the exhibit hall. And then in August of 2004, we got our first... You know, we got our permanent slot for Anything Goes, which was to air Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And for the, we were supposed to have our first show on August, I believe, yeah, it was August 20th, around, uh, yeah, it was August 20th, I believe, uh, of 2004. 
But we weren't able to do our first show because we had a hurricane come through central Florida and knocked our power and phone out for eight days. So we weren't able to do our first show. But uh, after that, uh, we finally got back on after everything was restored in the Orlando area. And uh, we were able to get back on the air and carried on from there. Accessible World says that the position for the managing director of ACB Radio opened up in 2009, and you took that on. What motivated you to just get into this position? I felt I could bring a lot of new direction to ACB Radio, especially in its infrastructure. I really wanted to see ACB Radio thrive and go to the next level. I took on this role on a volunteer basis starting in May of 2009, and then eventually ACB reinstated this position as a paid position in January of 2010, and I was fortunate to maintain my position as managing director. And I really like working with the broadcasters of ACB Radio. We went through some rough times, but I think we really come a long way from those days and I think we're really doing well and there's still a lot more work to do. There certainly is and you continue to be ACB Radio's managing director but according to the main menu website this is the other show you do. It's at mainmenu.acbradio.org. You're the co-producer of that weekly show. It's on ACB Radio Mainstream. What's Main Menu, and what are some of the challenges that you face in co-producing the show? Main Menu is ACB Radio's number one technology show, started by Jonathan Mosen when ACB Radio first started in December of 1999. To this day, Main Menu still has a lot of information-packed news about what's going on in the technology world today. It airs every Friday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ACB Radio Mainstream. What I'm doing right now is helping gather some of the content and put in some of the show segments and to help David Tanner, who's the host of Main Menu, make sure he has what he needs to put the show together. And recently we just added several more people onto the team to make it easier for content to be brought in and to give main menu a new sound which we'll be unveiling probably in the next few weeks as we slowly bring things in we've got a couple of great people with great talent randy rusnak and jason castanguay are the two that are really going to help out jason is very good with music and he's going to work on some music beds for uh, main menu and randy is really good with a lot of podcasting and content finding. Many of you probably know him as the co-host of the new show that he and Debbie have on Mainstream now, known as Cooking with the Hazelnuts. And Randy also did a lot of demos on his own on different podcasts. We've got a lot of new stuff coming for Main Menu as uh, the weeks go on. One of our listeners, Larry, Greg Jack from Olympia, Washington, he writes, I was wondering if you had considered starting a descriptive video channel or using one of the existing channels. 
You could run two or three movies a day and just repeat them. Kind of like the Decades channel. How do you respond to this? I've thought about that. One of the things we have to watch out for with something like that is copyright licensing. I have to find out if we really can air movies like that uh, without violating any copyright laws. As many of you know, ACB Radio Cafe and ACB Radio Interactive are licensed through streamlicensing.com to help us have copyright protection with SoundExchange, BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, and Sokin, which is a Canadian uh, royalties firm. We have to do this for music copyright and also for movies, there's a lot of copyright issues there that we have to worry about as well. So there's a lot of legalities that we have to go through before we can just stream something like that without getting in trouble with any um, copyright entities out there. Now we got to talk about my show, Speaking Out for the Blind. I started this show. They, it was short little fillers for the San Francisco Lighthouse's Access to Information Services radio, that's AIS, back in 2008. I later learned about ACB Radio in 2011, so I decided to attend that year's ACB Conference and Convention in Reno, Nevada. Make that sparks to be exact. It's near Reno. It was at the Nugget. While I was at the convention... I found you in the exhibit hall, Larry, and we talked about, just very briefly, about doing my show as a pilot on ACB radio. I followed up our meeting with a draft script, a resume, and references, and even, we'll get into the audition part in a second, but I was wondering if this is typical, or even atypical, for how shows get their start on ACB radio. That's pretty close to what uh, what we look for. Uh, if anybody wants to do a show on ACB Radio, right now they will send an email to support at acbradio.org. And I would ask them some questions. Uh, how familiar are they with recording software, such as SoundForge, GoldWave, or Studio Recorder, any of them? And if they're familiar with how broadcasting software works, if they want to do any live shows, uh, like a music show on Interactive, or even a live show here on Mainstream. And I get a feel of how they can handle different, uh, different software packages, and how good are they at recording and editing their shows. And also, I get a feel for what kind of content they want to put on ACB radio. And once all that is sorted out, I'll have them do an audition or a pilot episode. And, and if it uh, if it all works out, then then they join the ACB radio team. That must have been the similar factors that you looked for similar program pilots like mine when I did interview. Bello Miguel Cipriani, 
the blind author, about his new book, Blind, a Memoir. That was for the audition show. I sent you that interview about Blind, a Memoir, and I passed that review. Right? Absolutely. That's why That's why we're here now. Yes. And after passing that audition and continuing to produce episodes, after doing each of these little interviews, Speaking Out for the Blind began airing on ACB Radio once a week, starting in 2012. Tell us how the program schedules and the frequency are decided. First, I find out from the presenter on how comfortable are they producing content either on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and how long they feel they can do their show, whether they want to do a 30-minute show or an hour show. That usually depends on the presenter in that aspect. And I like doing either 30-minute segments or one-hour segments because it's a lot easier to program those into the automation system to air them at those times. And also, if you put a couple of 30-minute shows together to fill an hour and then follow it by you know, either two more 30-minute or an hour show, it tends to flow a lot more smoothly uh, in that aspect. So that's pretty much how I work on deciding that. I want to see how the flow is going to go with the other shows that we have on different days of the week and on the different times during that particular day. So what advice do you have for for our listeners who want to get into get into computers or even radio? If it's something you really want to do, uh, there are a lot of resources out there. Just uh, listen to what uh, experiences uh, others have had and definitely follow your heart on that. If it's uh, something you really want to do, don't give up. Don't give up. Good advice. Anything else you'd like to add? Well... Not too much else other than the fact that uh, I do appreciate all of our ACB radio broadcasters on all of the channels on mainstream and interactive. And then, of course, there's Treasure Trove, our old-time radio feed. And I definitely appreciate all the listeners who still listen to ACB radio today. And if there's any other programming that you're not hearing on ACB radio that... uh, you want us to look into possibly airing feel free to write to us at support at acbradio.org and check out our website there's always all kinds of uh, new content going up there and also uh, don't forget we have the acb radio lounge where you can go in using team talk and you can talk amongst each other and talk to uh, even some of the presenters that are here on ACB radio Larry we got to let you get back to work here because we know you're very busy but you're a great boss mentor and friend this program would have never been possible without you thanks for this opportunity and all that you do for ACB radio and thanks for joining us today Thank you, and I really enjoy being on the show, and I hope for many more episodes of Speaking Out for the Blind to come. 
Many more will come. But before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You may also email me at mccallan3 at comcast.net. That's M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N, the number three. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hello, ACB Radio listeners, ACB members, and friends. This is ACB President Kim Charlson wishing you a very happy holiday season. I can't believe that 2015 is coming to an end and the holidays are here. It just seems like we were celebrating last year. But the holidays can be a lot of fun for all of us, but they can be stressful too. So please try to keep all of what the holidays mean in perspective and balance everything. I need to take close heed of that myself because sometimes we get a little overexcited about all the things we have to do during the holidays. So I hope for all of you in 2016 that you will have a wonderful holiday season with friends and family. You'll remember what the holidays symbolize for all of us. Love, peace, family, friends, our God in whatever form that takes. Beauty, for me, through singing and music. And have a lot of fun with the presents and the decorations, too. Whatever you do for your holidays, do it with a warm heart and loving spirit. My best to all of you in ACB land for a wonderful holiday season and a most prosperous and happy 2016. Merry Christmas to you from the Utah Council of the Blind. Yeah.